Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, as we always say, we spoke to the man uh, who really is the thing you should never do outside a, uh, a convent. Is it Hector Nuns? <laughs> he is the snooker um, specialist and he had some interesting stories from the Crucible, didn't he? He did. And uh, it's good you've got long arms so we can socially distance this particular chat. So we had a, a bit of a chat as well. And Rupert was good on... Uh, uh, Graham, sorry, Stan Miller. I was going to yeah. say uh, a jockey le- a legend. I can't even. Speak. He's, he's gone. He's unable to speak now. So I'll carry on. Yeah, jockey legend. So we also um, brought you the clips of the month, and we had a don't ask me, and I think that that should do you. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Andy, and how's the magic of the FA Cup working out for you? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. This yeah. afternoon. Uh, well, the thing is, I had I turned over in the 90th minute to, to watch the cricket, so I didn't see... Did Anthony Taylor get his winner's medal? I'm not sure. <laughs> Do you know? I think he did. I think I just yeah. saw him doing the lap of honour with the Arsenal players. No, I'm telling you, when I... On this show the other day, mm. the news came through, Anthony Taylor was the ref, and I think Anthony Taylor's a good ref, but... He was compromised. He'd refereed these two teams in a controversial performance three years ago at Wembley at the same stage of the competition. He shouldn't have been given the game. There were there was Dean, there was Oliver, there was Mariner, there were loads of refs who had no history in this fixture who could have done the game. And I said, what happens if it happens again? There you go. It happened again. And it looked terrible. It just looked ridiculous. And you get this situation where... He's thinking whether I should send Kovacic off. And he's also thinking, well, I've got, I, you know, he's obviously coloured by everything that's going on, everything that's gone on in the past, and wanting to basically show that he's a strong ref. Instead of saying to Kovacic, basically, uh, look, mate, that's your absolute last. I think that was pretty near the mark, which it wasn't, but I thought it was. Anything else, you're straight off. Then Lampard's got the opportunity to either sub him or Kovacic's got the opportunity to, to dial it back a bit. Yeah. And therefore, you know, it was a final with 20, a very closely knit, pretty decent game. You know, Chelsea had the first 20 minutes. Arsenal had the next 25, clearly. It could have been two or three up. I concede that. Then Chelsea adjusted and got back in the game. And then when Arsenal scored, it was kind of against the run of play. A little bit of fortune in the goal, but nice finish. And then... The last 25 minutes, Arsenal have given away goals late in games. Who knows what might have happened? And he must have known, the minute he got that red card out for Kovacic, he must have known that's the end of the game. They might yeah. as well all have walked off at that point. And I think it was it was such a big game and such a big decision, and the bloke shouldn't... He, it was a wrong decision, and he shouldn't have been put in the position. What sort of a sap would appoint him? Who who do you think would do that? Would think that's a good idea? Arsene Wenger? No, mm. of course not. He doesn't appoint the referees. Uh, it was David Ellery's appointment. It was appointment, David Ellery's appointment. Yeah. So, you know, you just think, well, 
you don't know what to think. But basically, don't put the bloke in this position. Don't put him on offer. I fell for him in a sense. I mean, I wrote Anthony Taylor favouring Arsenal. I wrote that really early on. There was one right at the end that was typical of his performance in the match where both commentators of the BBC went, well, that's a foul. And it was a foul. It was on the edge of the area, a dangerous position for Chelsea. Oh, no, no foul. Carry on. And the- I think, you know, for me, I just don't think the bloke should ever have been in that position to have got the game. He shouldn't have got the game. I did send you a message just as Kovacic uh, got the yellow card. I said, that yellow might be costly. They'll be trying to get him sent off. And, of course, hmm. it, the, the opportunity when it came to make a bit more of one where yeah. it wasn't a great deal of contact with Xhaka, they got they got the red yeah. card. Well, and yeah, they, if they, the referee they, fell for it, but he should have been much, much stronger. It also throws into light when you... you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but I felt it at the time, and, and we were talking about it at the time, but it does seem daft that you've got the opportunity to look at a decision, a game-changing decision yeah. in a big game, and you can't look at it because it's a second yellow. Second yellow. So if you could go to a monitor, you could say, well, this is the big moment. I'd like to look at that again. Why Why set parameters when you've got the technology there? Why not have a situation where you think... <laughs> because then the, the, the VAR could be saying into his ear, not sure, that's a but big then call, have, that, then Anthony. Then you have to look at every second yellow. That's the only problem with that. You know, and I suppose they don't want everything referred. But it's, it certainly killed the game. And, you know, it was unfortunate. And I think for, you know, I mean, well played to Arsenal in a sense, you know. I mean, they... they well, <laughs> in no, a, in, well, in, in a, a sense. sense. They did, did look. They, I'm a Tottenham uh, fan. Yeah. I thought they deserved to win. I didn't think they deserved to win. I thought it was a pretty even game. But, you know, I'm biased, so fair enough. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, we'll never know what might have happened. And, you know, for Chelsea, it was a perfect storm, wasn't it? You you know, when Pulisic, they couldn't handle Pulisic. No. And when he went through and did his hamstring before he shot and probably made it worse shooting, if he hadn't done his hamstring, who knows, he might have scored. Yeah. And if Aubameyang had gone on, gone off in the 48th minute, do you think Arsenal would have won that game? I don't think they would no. have done if their best player had gone off. So there were a lot of things that conspired against Yeah, everything Chelsea. went wrong for Everything you. went wrong. We finished with nine men, for goodness sake. We couldn't... The substitute rule was a bit unfortunate. It's the way it goes. That he couldn't... He had to make three changes at once at the end there, which is never ideal. So that whole thing really but in the end I said to you in pre-season Chelsea are going to be <laughs> so right I said Chelsea are going to be really fun to watch this season but they can't defend what happened he had a whole season to put it right you know and basically from his point of view I, I'm a big fan and I think I've really enjoyed the season but unless Chelsea can defend either through change of personnel or change of method or whatever they need to do I don't think he'll be there this time next year because I don't think you can go through a whole season giving away that many goals and think you're going to win something and think you're going to challenge. Is it 54 goals? Oh, God, no, it's a lot of goals. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I, you know, when you can identify weaknesses right in pre-season and then nothing changes right the way through the season and the lockdown and the post-lockdown football, you have to start to think, you know, he wasn't really able to change personnel, though, was he? No, I mean, but, he look, only at, change... but look at the personnel under Sari, the same personnel how many goals they let in compared to this year so a lot yeah. less you know certainly it was the same players I think you know the fact that Kante missed half the games didn't help Chelsea either but look good signs for both teams I mean good you know both teams need have weaknesses there's no question about it and, and can improve and we'll see what happens but there's a long way between the top two and the rest and Chelsea won't close that gap unless they do something defensively. Here's an interesting one, though. Do you see this, that referees can send players off if they deliberately cough at an opponent or match official? And I was thinking, perhaps Anthony Taylor thought his name was Kofovich. <laughs> <laughs> Kofovich. I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What are you going to do? So anyway, we will um, we'll continue talking FA Cup in a moment. With a bit of distance, uh, Andy Dillon from the Sun will join us. What did we actually learn from it from both teams' uh, point of view? I mean, I think you, you've, you've probably spoken on the Chelsea front. They do need to tighten things up at the back and get some different players in and ship some defenders out. But, uh, but also, it change within games. You can't go... You know, I, I thought, I said to you, didn't I, on Saturday, that these tactics are wrong. Having taken the lead... You know, one thing Arsenal can't stand is if teams sit back. You saw what happened when Tottenham did it, when Villa did it. And so having got the first goal, why then push on to them you know, and leave yourself so exposed with such a high line? Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that after the event. I said... It you, was a bit naive. I, I said to you right at that point, I said, ah, I don't like these tactics. I don't think they're right. And so it proved. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. We're going to check in once again at the Crucible where the World Snooker Championship is uh, taking place, of course, as we discovered over the weekend, without crowds, uh, sadly, but with crowd effects. Yeah, I think it's one of the rare sports that have done this, actually. Not just for telly, but for the players themselves. Yeah, big moments in games, end of frames and uh, and centuries and stuff. It's got to be odd, hasn't it? Well, let's find out. Hector Nunns is there, of course, snooker journalist. Hi, Hector. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. Apparently, it's a slightly bemused look from Ronnie when uh, when the cheer came up in the in the big empty auditorium. So, uh, but generally, the players seem to have liked it from what we read. They they think it's a good idea and it gives it a bit of atmosphere. Yeah, I think that's about right. As you, you summed it up, I mean, for you know the few of us that are here, when the players have been sort of drifting in to do their post match press conferences, the general the general view has been that they, you know, particularly the ones where their match is bridged, the without and then with, they they thought it was better. John Higgins sort of, um, he played his first session without the, the noises, as you say, sort of as they walk out and after after centuries and at the end of frames. And he said the first session felt like he was going to mass. And, uh, and, and, then, and, then, and then afterwards he felt there was a bit of improvement, a bit of cheer for the players. And I think it's been well received to the point where the, you know, the authorities, World Snooker Tour, are just having a look about maybe whether they could extend it. I mean, we all know when we watch snooker on the TV, if someone does a really good long pot, there is a sort of outburst of applause. And that sort of is missing, I think, both for the players and maybe the viewers as well. So... They'll have a look at that, but it would need someone who really knows what they're doing and knows the game well on the buttons, or it could all go horribly wrong. We're, we're quite well known for clearing our throats and coughing on air uh, over the years, so perhaps they could take a soundtrack of us <laughs> just play it in, because you do, you do miss that as well, the old coughing. Well, yeah, I think that would be authentic. One or two, one or two of the, the sort of uh, the witty jibes from the players coming off saying that they, they really wanted to make it authentic. They'd have the coughs and the sneezing and the ri- and the mobile phones going off and the sweet wrappers <laughs> rustling. So who, who knows? Maybe we'll get the full the full panoply by the end of the tournament. Stuart Bingham's quite keen on the cardboard cutouts we've seen in football as well. He, he quite likes the idea of that. Just to see, just have a few faces up there in the crowd as well. Yeah, no, he, he he was quite behind that idea. I think you know, listen, obviously, people are trying to sort of make the best of a make the best of a difficult job, and uh, I think I think the crowd noise is probably a good. Thing. The cardboard cutouts has had mixed responses from the players. Stuart <laughs> Bingham was very pro. I think um, when it was suggested that to one of the players, I think Kyron Wilson said, "Would he like sort of pictures of his family up in the crowd?" He said he thought that would be very creepy and absolutely no chance. And Sean Murphy was of a, of a similar view. So I think the jury's still out on that one. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, yeah, it would certainly. <laughs> would certainly make quite a difference it's not you know it's not a football stadium with 30 40 50,000 capacity it's obviously a very small venue with 900 so if it was full with with cardboard figures I think it would look a little ghostly and eerie uh, also Stuart Bingham was talking about the balls being a bit slippery at the weekend he said he felt that was because there was just so much cleaning going on it was affecting him it was a couple of uh, sort of odd movements of the balls he felt after shots 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, we, we sort of saw those comments. I think we, we did pursue that one with the authorities because, you, you know, you can find out from the sort of tournament director and the, the referees and the officials exactly what's going on. I, I don't actually think there was, there was too much in that one. It was Stuart's sort of view the moment he came off the table and then I don't think he, he possibly hadn't had an opportunity to speak to the, the officials in the tournament office. But uh, no, apparently that, that, that wasn't done. Everything that's done with all of the, the sort of the balls and the equipment and the tables is, is, is being done pretty, you know, exactly as in accordance with, with how it normally is, despite the, you know, despite the extra protocols we've got here at the Crucible this year. What about the level of play so far? Would you say compares? I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't, but has it affected the level of play, standard of play? Well, I suppose, I suppose the starting point for that answer, Andy, is, is, is what Roddy O'Sullivan's done in his oh, match. Yes. Now, <laughs> now he's, he's, I think we all, I, mean, I may have, when speaking to you before, I think we speculated how the lack of a crowd might affect Roddy O'Sullivan. He's the best supported player on tour, gets raucous support. So would he miss it or would he, you know, actually sort of benefit from all the, you know, all the burden of expectation and pressure being lifted from his shoulders? And in his match that's just finished this morning, he's, he's won 10-1. He set a new record for the fastest ever match ever ever the Crucible. I think it's just... Uh, 108 minutes. Um, he, he looked like as relaxed. I think he sort of lost a stone and a half in weight. He looks happy, healthy. He looked relaxed. And then when he came off afterwards, having won 10-1 against Thailand Sepchar, I knew he just said, "I prefer it. I, I've, I've suffered from you know this burden of expectation. I, I don't like it. Um, I." This year is the first year I can book a hotel near without being mobbed by everybody, autograph hunters getting there. And I'm just, um, I'm very happy. So I think in his case, ominously for the rest of the field, mm. he's, he's very, very comfortable in it. And then the rest of them, yeah, they're, they're, they have a couple of described it as like a, a practice match feel. Um, and normally I think that means better play, more centuries. Yeah, the um, and purely as a TV sport, I mean, we saw with football, you know, in that wide shot, you always see that you're playing in front of an empty stadium. But of course, all the action is on the base, isn't it? And the way it's shot means you, you really don't miss it, apart from cutaways, the odd cutaway and some angles. But because it's all in darkness anyway, it, it's not affecting it really from a, from a TV uh, punter's point of view. No, I, I don't think so. I, listen, I, I think you know if you ask all the, perhaps the media and perhaps the sort of the broadcasters who are covering it, the the ones who are actually out there and the camera the camera people and sort of MC Rob Walker who's you know calling people out, it's, it's it's strange. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It is surreal. It is a bit weird, and it, it is it is strange. But in terms of the actual game and you know the view on the telly, as you say, it does fit the small screen pretty well. I don't I don't think it does make a difference. I mean, it was, it was funny yesterday when Ronnie O'Sullivan sort of walked walked into the arena, and obviously normally the the roof comes off and John Higgins was sitting there just laughing because there was total silence and I think that brought it home exactly the difference with no crowd more than anything else I've, I've seen so far. Can you hear the commentators because I mean of course we saw Ian Wright the players could hear him on Saturday but I mean I'm just wondering because normally it's, you whisper anyway don't you like famously Ted Lowe but I mean just wonder if the players can hear what the commentators are saying about them. I th- normally they can't. It's pretty. It's fairly soundproofed. Uh, the, the commentary booth. So normally they they wouldn't be able to. It, it just occasionally, perhaps the levels of. You know, I'm not a not a sort of technical or the TV commentary, but I think that sometimes the levels aren't quite right, and occasionally there's a, yeah, as you say, it leaks into the arena a bit and tends to get adjusted fairly quickly, as, as happened the other day. But uh, I, no, I think generally speaking they they can't, and um, I don't, don't think the commentary people are too rude about them. But it's probably probably best that way. Yeah, good thing. <laughs> and uh, we were reading that that there'll be no China events until 2021. I mean, that's fairly obvious, you would think. But, you know, that's a big part of the circuit, isn't it? I mean, they've got the World Championship on, but there's there's going to be plenty of events that the players won't be able to be involved with. 
It's a very it's a very big chunk of it. There was there was due to be four big events in China before Christmas if the calendar you know had stood as last season. And what they've done is they've sort of provisionally tried to sort of slot them in for after Christmas between between Christmas and April. And they've they've moved I think two or three events the other way to try and sort of fill up the you know fill up the gaps um, uh, between September and December. So there there, is, there are actually plenty of events for the players to be playing in. Um, and they've got a they you know they've got a full calendar. I don't think we're going to be seeing crowds particularly after the setback after day one of this tournament I doubt we'll be seeing crowds much before November at the earliest at any of these tournaments but uh, yeah they, and then they'll just be hoping that China don't then extend that because obviously if they were to lose well then be five tournaments because there's a China Open schedule for next April were they to lose those five tournaments that's a pretty hefty chunk of the, the prize money they're all playing for every season The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. We're going to talk a little bit of racing now, pay tribute one of the greats uh, very shortly that Rupert saw in action. But um, before that, we're going to talk about uh, the racetracks, the courses, and real real con- concerns in the sport. Epsom, the latest uh, race course to say, you know, we can't afford to race behind closed doors without any uh, punters in. Of course, Goodwood had to pick up the tab the other day. It was uh, a big setback £100,000, yeah. they think, after they'd planned to get mm. to 5,000 uh, punters in. Uh, Rupert Bell joins us, of course, who gave us fine commentaries and glorious Goodwood last week. Hi, Rupert. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. You said how disappointed everybody was at the course when you were there last week, but the cold, hard cash, you know, six figures. It's a big blow to them, and there's a number of other courses around the country. Brighton, Worcester, Nottingham, Carlisle. Mm. They're not racing at the moment because it's just not financially viable to open their doors behind uh, when there's no punters in. Uh, and that's it. That is the big dilemma for racing. Yes, it's great that we've got the show on the road, and we've had some terrific sport over the two months since the resumption, but... Every race course in this country needs spectators at whatever level. Um, without them, then they, because they probably, some of them might only race, say, between 15 and 20 days of the year, they, are, uh, they need spectators to make them viable. And at this time of year, even the smallest track might have a big night, a music night or something to help generate revenue. Yeah. And clearly what happened the other day at uh, at Goodwood was a major setback for the plans to try and get large crowds in. At France, they're already allowing up to four and a half to five thousand. And, you know, even a meeting like today, just been checking out on the television at Clairefontaine, they have a smattering, they have a crowd of spectators. Well, that at least helps that course generate some money and we do need it. And clearly... When you look at racing, they got the last minute to, uh, news that it wasn't happening at 12 o'clock on Friday, you know, having spent two weeks working with the DCMS to make sure the protocols in place. They felt it was a bit of a slap in the teeth, basically, to say, um, you know, we can't go ahead with it when you think. Um, you know, great. Okay, there was a bar near Wembley with 600 Arsenal fans in it. You know, but was that? You know, that was allowed to go ahead. Yet every place at, at Goodwood, you were only going out. You put into a pen of say a maximum of 500 people. You had socially distanced rules and everything going on. So racing felt, you know, that this, you know, seemed a very short-sighted decision. And and racing will need spectators to make the venues um, viable. There's racing at Yarmouth this afternoon. This time they'd have a holiday crowd Mm. there to enjoy it. But no, um, and that's how they make their money. So it is a big worry for a number of racetracks. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'd say your tweet on on Saturday afternoon uh, and showing how 
open Goodwood was and how easily they could have accommodated these people, would you say you were critical of the decision? Do you think it was an unfair decision, really? Um, well, look, they've got to, racing has to take rules from the gui- guidance from the government. And, and indeed, you know, the other test cricket was, uh, you know, that was the plug was pulled on that and snooker, all the work that had been done at those venues to try and create some template for going forward. Now, Goodwood weren't saying it was going to be the finished article because they were the first to do it. But they thought they'd come up with something that was going to you know, there may have been the odd error, but there would have been something to work with. So good would definitely feel um, aggrieved, particularly knowing how much work they had gone in and the financial cost of doing it. You know, a six figure sum, you know, when normally, you know, Goodwood, glorious Goodwood is their big cash cow in terms of the meeting with the, the number of people who go there, the, the, the spending power of people who go there to enjoy a fabulous day out in the Sussex town. So if Goodwood are concerned then it really is a worry for so many of the others. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, now, sad news over the weekend. Stan Meller, one of the great national hunt jockeys, and he went on to become a trainer, uh, passed away. And uh, you saw uh, Stan in action, apparently, as, as, a, as a young whippersnapper, Rupert. Is this right? Yeah. This is absolutely right, because he was the first jockey national hunt jockey to ride a thousand winners and this was back in 1971 and they made a big deal of it then i mean i think tv cameras were chasing him around the country because it was a huge landmark because the the life of a jump jockey was a perilous one and often quite short-lived you tend to be retired by you were 33 well that's not the case now you look at richard johnson in his 40s still plying his trade and a number of others so when he got to his thousands, I remember being dragged in a freezing cold December day by my mother to go to Nottingham <laughs> to see him on December the 18th. And But I was a race fan, so I was really excited. So I, it felt a big deal. He rode a horse called Uzo. But now you think, I remember going to see um, AP get to his 4,000s at Toaster. You know, how the world has moved on and since mm. 1971 to whenever... You know, AP got to toast us and did that amazing achievement. So the sport has been transformed. But as a jockey, he was a three times champion jockey. He managed to get a horse to beat the great article. So he knew what to do on a horse. And he also knew how to train a horse as well. So he was a, a great character, loved by many within the sport. And obviously getting to a thousand made him a, a landmark moment for the sport back in 1971. I was doing a bit of research on him this morning and YouTube is such a wonderful archive of racing. Uh, that race you mentioned where he beats Arkell, it's incredibly exciting. Of course, great Peter O'Sullivan commentary and uh, black and white, but it's still brilliant. And uh, the thing reading about him, that he had 750 faults in his career. I mean, that is yeah. just... That's ridiculous. Well, the worst of them are Aintree. He was uh, it was a forty-one uh, horse field, and basically every one of them trampled over him. He lost six no. teeth. He broke his jaw in several places, and uh, and also he only really survived because he was wearing a back protector, something that he designed. Um, so he was a he was a lucky man to have survived that. Well, yes, it was an extremely, well, you know, the equipment, you know, practically a cork helmet, you know, nothing that they wear like they wear now. So, I mean, he was very sensible to be doing that. But, uh, and you allude to those, um, that YouTube pictures of, of Stallbridge colonists beating mm. Arkell. There wasn't too much health and safety with the crowd there as well, because <laughs> the crowd seemed to be right on the racetrack. Um, it was a, a different era there too, because... Uh, 
if, but it, but a great achievement. And hearing him talk about that ride is how he knew he couldn't get near Arkle because if Arkle found another horse with him, he would then go, well, I'm going to gallop quicker. But he had to be really tactically astute to almost catch Arkle napping. And that's what he did. He, you know, he was receiving lumps of weight from um, Arkle, but it was a very astute tactical ride. Arkle, you know, the, the greatest horse uh, in many people's eyes in jump racing, but he found a way by his clear sh sheer sporting intelligence as a jockey to get him to beat them that day. But he was a, you know, and his, he was a, a, a great trainer as well, won many a big race um, as well as a trainer. So he will be much missed uh, around the place. And me growing up in, in the sport and jump racing when you were a child, he was definitely one of my childhood heroes. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Me and Jacobs here on Talk Sport, and it is time for the clips of the month for July. We have six for you, and then we'd like you to go along to at TSH and J, TSH A N D J, and vote for your favourite. There'll be a couple of semi finals and a final, and uh, it's your vote that counts, folks. And then we'll bring you the winner again just before four o'clock when uh, Andy Goldstein and Jamie O'Hara are here for Drive. So we kick off then with Simon Jordan discussing Wolves' wonderful history. You've got to look at it and say, this is a great club. This is a club that back in the 50s with Billy Wright being married to the Everly sisters and all that went with that. <laughs> well, both of them. Donna <laughs> all, and Philippa Everly. All three of them, that's right, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, the, 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 a lot to unpack, yeah. The Everly sisters, weren't they fantastic? I think it was the Beverly sisters, uh, and he was married to all of them. You know, <laughs> he wasn't one. playing for Riyadh Rovers, he was playing for Wolverhampton Wanderers. He's just married to one of them. Danny Murphy now, in conversation with Kevin De Bruyne. Sometimes it's like a lower team. I, I would watch it. It just depends on the situation. You know, I've got a young family. I've got a third on the way. Well, thanks for sharing, Kevin. <laughs> too much too much information, really. And we were a bit surprised to hear Hugh Woosencroft say this to his loyal listeners on kickoff. Two of the worst decisions we've seen yet. What are your views on it? 08717 I'll see you next Tuesday. No need for that. <laughs> this is Rupert Bell at the golf, channeling Rick from Rick and Morty. And then a fabulous approach shot into the par 4 18th, set up the round of the day. The wind is freshening. <laughs> it's Jeremy Lyon, but there you go. <laughs> oh, dear. That's a brilliant. Anyway, uh, unfortunately, uh, Darren Goff couldn't make it into the studio the other day, so he had to use the Goffy bot. At 4.30, Brighton have signed a Premier League champion. We'll hear from Adam <laughs> Lalana. Cashier number five, please. <laughs> what, what went on there, really? Yeah. Mind the gap. Don't know why he suddenly went down there all of a sudden. No idea. And finally, it's Jim White. This is yeah. a good thing that we're going to do because we want to disperse the crowd, but you don't want them to be there, so don't do it. If, if, if you're going to do it, Glenn, do it right. Natalie's right. Well, there we are. And that did, that <laughs> of did, of course, course did. Uh, remind us of something. Baby, you if you, if you're going to do it, Glenn, do it right. Right. Natalie's right. If, you, if you're going to do it, Glenn, do it right. Right. Natalie's right. So there we go. What was your favourite? Simon Jordan and the Everly sisters, uh, uh, Kevin uh, De Bruyne, um, and uh, we also had Hugh Woosencroft, 
uh, with his listeners. Rupert Bell as Rick from Rick and Morty. Goffy, Goffy Bot, or Jim and Wham. So go along to at TSHNJ, T-S-H-A-N-D-J, and uh, you'll have the opportunity to vote for your favourite. So in the semi-finals, and then we'll get two finalists. And then we'll ask you to vote again if you don't mind. I'll uh, let you know the finalists are a little bit later on. And before four o'clock, we'll play the winning clip again. Of course, the Clips of the Week uh, return on Friday. And the Clips of the Week is available as a podcast. If you'd like to go and download that wherever you get your podcasts, along with the H&J Daily, the best bits of the afternoon show. If you've not been able to join us for the three hours every day, that's a little truncated half hour, 45 minutes of the best bits, which is available around five o'clock every day. So, uh, yeah, go along and vote. Andy, what else do you have for us? Yeah, there's the county cricket season has started and mm. uh, I was looking at the scores and uh, opening the batting for Hampshire was F.S. Organ. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but it's a great name. F.S. Organ. <laughs> it's a perfect a for TV format. I mean, it, well, you say that, we can only really think of Organ Grinder, which is where he, he basically, I don't know, there's two things you could do. Well, yeah, it's a new so, dance craze, which yeah. is a bit worrying, or or basically sharpens your knives for you, but it's not much of a team. Or it's a, a dating app. It's not much, it's not, yeah. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Yeah, it could be very specific. Uh, uh, a story, Andy, I know. No, no, noticed. one second. Oh, sorry, you got more of it. Only this other name as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yorkshire, who've lost Tim Bresnan, uh, travelled to uh, Chesterley Street to play Durham under their new captain, Ned Eckersley. I was thinking, could you be a bit more northern? It's yeah. a brilliant name, is it, for a bloke who plays for Yorkshire? Yeah. I mean, I presume he's a good player, but uh, there sure you go. Sure he is. Got me Yorkshire. Now, um, stories, uh, of course, we're getting lots of pictures of the stars, the, the football stars, the Premier League players on holiday yeah. now that now they've got mm. a couple of weeks off and that included because it's two for the price of one it's not just Jamie Vardy it's his Mrs Rebecca because she's in the news of course mm. with Colleen Rooney so it's yeah. two for the price of one and yeah. uh, the the son gave us everything's looking rosé on Rebecca Vardy's holiday as she lugs it says lugs lugs I've never heard that lugs normally means you carry something that yeah, it lugs. says she lugs a 290 glugs, isn't it? yeah glugs I would have thought yeah but according to this she lugs so maybe she's carrying it around with her it's a 290 pound 6 litre bottle of wine Really? I mean, <laughs> even Alan would say, oh, it's too much for me. Ray, not five litres okay, but not six. But no, she's 290, but also a six litre bottle of mm. rose. How do you keep it cold? <laughs> you've got a massive fridge that's or a good, lot of ice, haven't that's you? That's a very good point, actually. And, you know, yeah. and you've got to see it off quite quickly, haven't you, really? Yeah. But I mean, yeah. look, she was there. It's there not nice when it goes a bit lukewarm, the old rose. <laughs> It's not. It's not ideal, really. Why not? You know, why not buy smaller bottles? Um, I don't. I don't get the, the joy of having a six-liter bottle. And Colleen had her usual seven suitcases. Well, yeah, I mean, they have got four kids, so I mean, yeah, you, that does take up quite a lot of stuff. But still, seven suitcases. Quite the a kids lot, are just wearing like football <laughs> shirts <laughs> and shorts, aren't they? On holiday, they're probably not wearing much more than We're that. Watching the Antiques Roadshow last night, which I always enjoy. I don't know why, but it's something yeah. fascinating about it. And this. You just like seeing crowds of people, don't you? I mean, it's, it's quite it's, it's quite rare true. at the moment, isn't it? There's yeah. crowds of people behind yeah. Fiona Bruce. That's very true. And somebody brought a Chinese cabinet in, and it had, and the bloke went, and look at these beautiful bat-shaped handles. Oh, well, that's not going to be selling it any time soon. Yeah, might have done mm. back then, but not, not now. great. Not a great time for the bat-shaped handle, <laughs> no, is it? Really, it's association. <laughs> the Guardian always used to be known as, in private eye, as the Grawniad, right? Yeah. Because of, for obvious reasons. They had a lot of uh, typos, which they mm. seem to have eliminated pretty much over the past few years. But this morning, there was, I was reading a piece about Andy Murray, and it says here, lure of a Grand Slam tournament. 
<laughs> it's tournament, not tournament. Surely you would have checked that. They'll be apologising for that tomorrow. I'm That's sure. definitely an apology for that. We've one. got cricket tomorrow, haven't we? We've got England, yeah. Ireland, the last one there, yes. and then Wednesday. The, the, the test, test. It's going to be a good series. Yeah, it will be. First be, uh, Pakistan be are here, of course, to play yeah. a test series, which is great news. And Bayern, have, <laughs> they are brilliant, Bayern, aren't they? They want UEFA to redouble its efforts to enforce financial fair play, but it says there's no agenda on their part. Of course part. not. Of course, course not. not. <laughs> Against Manchester City. And Oliver Kahn, will be taking over from Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, said, uh, which I do like that about Bayern, they always promote people from within, which is a good... Makes you know, it difficult for the managers, though, doesn't it? That's very true, actually, yeah. He said, um, that Bayern's objective is to create more equality between teams. No, it isn't. <laughs> Bayern's objective is to make sure Bayern, everything suits Bayern and they retain their position. Let's yeah. be honest. You know, it would be better, wouldn't it, really? So, I mean, a tough job's been made even tougher by all your injuries against Bayern, hasn't it, really? Oh, God. I mean, is it 3-0 from the first leg? You should remind the boys. You're 3-0 down three from nil the first nil leg. 3-0 down. Personally, I'd pick, I'd pick Jason, Cundy and me and people like that. It would just put an all-star. Omid. Omid. Just put a celebrity just, team I out. Bother. I mean, it doesn't matter if they lose 20-0. I'd, Ron say, Harris. I'd send the youth team out there, but, you know. A celebrity, do... Phil, Daniels. <laughs> Phil Daniels. Put out a celebrity side would be it's great, no wouldn't it? Point, Timo it's, Werner. It's the most annoying fixture <clears> that, that <throat> could ever happen. It would have been so much better <clears throat> to have completed the time, gone out and now be on yeah. holiday like all the other clubs. You know, it is frustrating. They've got to do another week's training for what? They're going, you know, let's face it, they've got absolutely no chance in that game at all. I mean, it would. I think if they had a full team, it would have been useful as an exercise to see if you can win in a one-off situation. Yeah. Which I suppose is how they'll approach it. But now, given all the injuries, given all the problems, you'd much rather. And it's in Munich, isn't play. it? I, I think it is. Yeah. It's, not, it's just not good, is it really? But what are you going to do? Real Madrid, very confident. You've been seeing that. They, they fancy yeah, their chances well, they, against they're, City. They're much improved since they lost to City, you know. Mm. So, they, they, you know, they're much improved. So, uh, here's an odd record for you as well. Do you know where is it? I thought this kid. I can... Evan Bleacher. Oh, yeah. 14. Mm -hmm. You didn't need to know that. Finished the Rubik's Cube while bouncing on a pogo stick <laughs> in a world record time of 16.7 seconds in Colorado. What's the point? Not many, no, a good record. Not many people are going to take that on, are they, really? I mean, he's, I think he's going to have that record for some and time. A bottle of whiskey is going up for auction and is expected to reach £55,000. Wow. And mm. I never get that because the minute you open it to drink it, it's worthless. Yeah. So what's the point? It's, mm. it's like a pointless thing to own. You can't ever drink it. And you yeah. can, all you can do is just keep it and sell it to some other person who will just keep it. And eventually, I suppose somebody very, very rich will think, well, I don't care if it's 55 grand a bottle, I'm drinking it. Yeah. But, you know, you've had one, you've had a couple of beers, and you think, oh, I could do with a scotch now. <laughs> and you lose all reason. That's true. What have ever happened to these people that buy very yeah. expensive bottles of wine? Yeah, you know, no, don't come in thinking, oh, possible. I could get a glass of wine now, cost 200 grand. Anyway, mm. uh, we move on, because uh, we've got a big playoff uh, final tomorrow night between Brentford and Fulham and of course we've been having well done Harrogate a fantastic performance uh, by them mm. now a league club we'll be, they'll be uh, dancing in the streets in the aisles of Betty's Tea Room yeah that's the uh, uh, point is made that, that seems to be the only thing that people know about um, <laughs> well, it's the only thing about, about Harrogate isn't it really well, it's quite posh Harrogate isn't it it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite expensive place yeah, to I live I think James Well used to live here I don't know if he still does no I don't think he does he used to when I first met James Well many many moons ago much yeah. before we did any of this or fantasy football he was living in Harrogate and went up to oh, interview yeah. him. Yeah. Very nice part of the world. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Here we go. Then we got a winner for the Clips of the Month. Before that, though, Andy, five yes. questions based on last week's shows. How many can you get? On Friday, we spoke to Martin Kellner, and he told us about a documentary he really enjoyed about which boxer. What, the Sonny Liston? Yeah, that would be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> that was the answer. I told him about it. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> yeah, enough. I didn't get that one wrong. Uh, we spoke to Alex Deacon, who has got a new app, a game on an app. What's the game called? He told us about it on Thursday. It was an app, sporting app, which is a game. 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 App, app, game. Oh, God. Uh, you know what it was? Um, no. <laughs> boxing manager. Oh, boxing manager. We spoke to Fish from Marillion uh, yes. earlier in the week as well. Which football team does he support? Hibs. Yeah, well done. Also, we spoke to comedian Rob Deering. He's uh, one half of a podcast yeah. on which subject? Running. He's running. Very You're doing very runner. well. Yeah. And uh, why did we speak to Damien Bork, the captain of Bowden Cricket Club, over 40s on Monday? They won for the first time in five years. See, it was, it was what oh, did to you. Boxing manager boxing did for you, Andy. Manager. So anyway, as <laughs> promised, uh, we're going to bring week. you uh, the uh, Clips of the Month winner. And it was nip and tuck, because a lot of you liked oh, okay. Goffy and the, the Goffy bot, the robot I voted one. for that one. You did vote for mm. that. but and, and at one point it was 50-50, but in the end... Uh, it was a bit of uh, just a bit of a, a bit of sort of bit of mild filth. <laughs> it was, although not not deliberate. And it is uh, Kevin De Bruyne in conversation here on Talksport. This is what he said. Sometimes it's like a lower team. I, I would watch it. It just depends on the situation, you know. I've got a young family. I've got a third on the way. I'll grow up the lot of you. For goodness sake, don't finesse him. You knew what he meant. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon show. Andy there. So close in Don't Ask Me. It was just boxing manager. I thought you'd get that easy. I know. What a shame. But uh, there you go. I think I'm still upset from the cup final. I haven't got over it. Still a broken man, as you probably gathered. Okay, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Talking Icelandic football playoffs. 
and lots more besides. Uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.